Come on into church. Sit down. We've got some seats right over here. We're starting with a question today. What kind of week have we had? Anybody? The looks on your faces. What kind of week have we had? Why? Violent, tragic, awful. Yes, that's true. But is there something else? Is there a feeling in the air that we share that we can't quite put our finger on? Yes, in the fire, in the ashes falling down, with the darkness at noon, with the monsters, the storms, waiting in line in the South Atlantic, and with those invisible little deadly soccer balls everywhere, making it scary to inhale. With all of that, isn't there something that we don't understand about the world around us? Can we take the time to ask some basic questions? One thing that comes to mind is that all of that tragedy from the earth seems to have a parallel with you and me. What do I mean? I'm pointing my finger at you and I'm calling you awful names. Why? Politics? Culture? You're pointing your finger at me and you're calling me the devil. And it's very much as if no one would think that it's possible that I have a home, that I have loved ones. And I'm doing the same thing to you. Nobody would think it's possible that you have compassion and empathy. With our language, we are dooming each other to having no home. We're inspiring a kind of homelessness. So our culture is making the tragedy of losing our home while people are actually watching their homes burn down and 30-foot waves are washing homes away and the pandemic is killing children. So there are two kinds of pain here, parallel to each other. Is there a connection? Some kind of cause and effect that we haven't noticed. Oh, let's, let's work on this today. Let's dance through the doorway right now, the doorway of music. Have a good choir waiting to sing here. The Stop Shopping Choir is going to sing to you about honeybees. Here we go. Back again in the church. 
the honeybees can't make it back to their hive because they're full of poisons, pesticides. It screws up their navigation systems. They go get the pollen, and then they start looking for the hive. Sometimes they have to go two or three miles to find that flower. They fly off, and they can't find their way back home. And that's what we were talking about at the beginning of our Earth service here. We were talking about home, how we hate each other so much on the opposite sides of the cultural, political divide. We hate each other so much that we don't give credit for the possibility of having a home, of maintaining love. We've been doing this for a while now in our culture. Wow. This hate, it's like our faces are screens vibrating with pixels. I think it is about screens. A lot of it is about that separation that screens make possible and that the virus makes necessary. We have said to each other that you are not capable of having a home. And when we do that, we're also attacking the earth because the earth is our ultimate home. The earth gives us our love, our birth, our growth, our loved ones. So when we deny that in each other simultaneously, the way we do, we're attacking the earth and then it becomes easy to pave the earth, to smear it with a monoculture, just to make, cover it with suburbs and put poisons in the air and the water and the soil. It becomes easy to do the things that attack the earth and our fellow human beings at the same time. Our hate is profitable. Oh, wow. How do we turn it around? I think the earth is saying to us, we can't keep doing this. Oh, these wildfires, this putrid air, this acidified ocean, these monster storms, this is unprecedented. This pandemic, this pandemic, <laughs> that's it. It's damning us. The earth is saying, I think, we have to surmount this hate, to break down this separation, these vibrating screens and their face off, and this accusation you cannot love. The earth is saying we have to evolve. George Carlin, that wonderful comedian, he said to us, don't worry about the earth. The earth is going to make it. The earth is going to find a way to live. The earth always gets through these extinction struggles. The earth finds a way to live. It's you and I. That's the question. Do we find life? Well, to find life, we have to credit each other for being alive and loving. And that won't be easy. We've grown to like the hate. It will take a kind of radical forgiveness, a breaking down of some habits we have. I don't think that the great leaps forward that we have made in the history of this community, I don't think we've ever done it by being separated the way we're separated now. In making this radical forgiveness, we're actually going to have to connect physically. We're going to have to go out into the streets. We're going to have to be with each other, and it might be uncomfortable for a while. We have been tribalizing. We've been, we've been separating down into little groups of people that are self-righteously looking down at the others. 
Oh, you know that's true. And we've been blind. And we can't go home again. And there's a honeybee flying over us. Lost. Full of our poisons. Can we have the music? Can we have the forgiveness? Can we look each other in the eye and say, oh yes, you're loving. You have a family. You have the earth. And we take care of the earth together because the earth takes care of us. The earth will do that. The wind speed will go down. The, the fires will go down. The earth will be, be calm again, loving again. If we're loving to it and loving to each other, radical forgiveness. Oh, it's not going to be easy. We, we've got to ask this question again and again until we accomplish it, people. With the love of the earth, we find each other. We evolve to survive as well. And when we find each other, we'll walk in a forest together. We'll be with the earth together. On a mountain by an ocean. And the mountain won't be on fire. The mountain will have green growth because we have that growth in each other. We will be healthy and full of life and we'll look out across that ocean and the water will be untroubled and the sky will be blue. Hello, welcome to News from the Natural World. I'm Savitri D. Deforestation and the conversion of wild spaces for human food production have largely been blamed for the destruction of Earth's web of life. 75% of the Earth's ice-free land has been significantly altered by human activity, and almost 90% of global wetlands have been lost since 1700. Wilderness areas defined as having no human imprint only account for 25% of the Earth's terrestrial area. South Australia has become the first Australian state to introduce laws banning some single-use plastics. Environmental campaigners say the laws likely to come into force in early 2021 are historic and will help protect wildlife on land and in the oceans. Selling, supplying, or distributing a prohibited plastic product will be illegal. On the list of banned items are single-use plastic straws, cutlery, drink stirrers, as well as polystyrene cups, bowls, plates, and clamshell containers. The legislation also lists items that are under consideration to be added to the banned list, including single-use coffee cups and lids and single-use plastic bowls, plates, food containers, balloon sticks, balloon ties, bags, and plastic-stemmed Q-tips. People who can unconsciously predict complex patterns, an ability called implicit pattern learning, are likely to hold stronger beliefs that there is a God who creates patterns of events in the universe, according to neuroscientists. The researchers found that implicit pattern learning appears to offer a key to understanding a variety of religions. This is not a study about whether God exists. This is a study about why and how brains come to believe in gods. The scientist's hypothesis is that people whose brains are good at subconsciously discerning patterns in their environment may ascribe those patterns to the hand of a higher power. Venom from honeybees is found to kill aggressive breast cancer cells. 
Doctors tested the effect of the venom on the clinical subtypes of breast cancer, which have limited treatment options. Results revealed that honeybee venom rapidly destroyed triple negative breast cancer and HER2 enriched breast cancer cells. The popular painkiller acetaminophen may increase risk-taking, a new study suggests. People who took acetaminophen rated activities like bungee jumping off a tall bridge and speaking your mind about an unpopular issue in a meeting at work as less risky than people who took a placebo. Acetaminophen seems to make people feel less negative emotion when they consider risky activities. They just don't feel as scared. 25% of Americans take acetaminophen each week. The fast-warming Arctic has started to transition from a predominantly frozen state into an entirely different climate, according to a comprehensive new study of Arctic conditions. Weather patterns in the upper latitudes have always varied from year to year, with more or less sea ice, colder or warmer winters, and longer or shorter seasons of rain instead of snow. The Arctic has now warmed so significantly that its year-to-year -year variability is moving outside the bounds of any past fluctuations, signaling the transition to a new Arctic climate regime. Scientists have been left baffled by incidents of orcas ramming sailing boats along the Spanish and Portuguese coasts. In the last two months, from southern to northern Spain, sailors have sent distress calls after worrying encounters. Two boats lost part of their rudders. At least one crew member suffered bruising from the impact of the ramming, and several boats sustained serious damage. On August 30th, a French-flagged vessel radioed the Coast Guard to say it was under attack from killer whales. Later that day, a Spanish naval yacht lost part of its rudder after an encounter with orcas under the stern. On July 29th, off Cape Trafalgar, Victoria Morris was crewing a 46-foot delivery boat that was surrounded by nine orcas. The cetaceans rammed the hull for over an hour, spinning the boat 180 degrees, disabling the engine and breaking the rudder as they communicated with loud whistling. It felt, she said, totally orchestrated. Our guest this week is Mr. Tom Price. Tom Price has been a, an activist and a business person, entrepreneur in the area of solar power, working with communities in the United States and in Africa. Tom, I'm sure elsewhere as well. Right now, Tom is just in his home in the Bay Area, watching California burn and trying to keep his family healthy. Tom, in my personal experience, you predicted this every, every few months going back years. I remember figures of miles of absolutely dry board feet, mountains covered with dead trees. I remember those are quotes from Tom Price to me. It's no satisfaction that it's come true, is it? Can you just give us a, your summary of what you see right now in your home state? Sure, here's what's happening now. So California several years ago had a drought for a few years. That's no big deal, that's happened all the time. The difference is that because the climate has warmed, 
uh, it didn't get as cold in the winter. And when it didn't get cold, that meant the pine bark beetles didn't die. And so they're usually killed off by the frost. So a combination of the drought and the warmer winter, which allowed the pine beetles to live, has resulted in 160 million trees in California being dead. The iconic pines of the Sierra forest, 160 million dead, stacked end to end, we go to the moon and back four times. It's an unbelievable amount of dead timber. And it's just been waiting for a match. And that's finally what came a few weeks ago. A dry thunderstorm blew through the state and sparked 567 wildfires. California now has 14,000 firefighters trying to put the fires out. To give people a scope of the size of these fires, there is nowhere from Tijuana, Mexico, to Vancouver, British Columbia, anywhere on the West Coast where you can breathe air that is safe to breathe. Almost 5 million acres of burn. That's an area the size of Connecticut and Delaware combined. And we have just now started the fire season. Well, my God. What kind of economy can you imagine? With your science fiction imagination, can you see what California will do? How people will live every day? How, how your neighbors will sustain themselves? The Central Valley of California is the largest contiguous piece of prime A1 ag real estate on the planet. It currently produces half, half of the food in the United States, including something like 94% of the almonds and 90% of the avocados and, and so on and so forth. Uh -huh. So as the seas rise, salt brackish water is going to back up into the Central Valley. And where the Central California Water Project now currently pumps fresh water from the Sierras all the way down through the Central Valley, all the way to Los Angeles, what happens when that source of water that provides half the food in the United States isn't fresh, cool mountain stream water, but brackish salt water from the ocean? The answer is we lose our ability to grow our food. Can you imagine what an alternative to the, the disappearance of 50% of our food sourcing is? California's not really a place. It's, kind of, it's more like an idea. This is the place where Amer America has invented itself, where the future has been created literally since the 1840s or so. And so we are on track to switch 100% of all of our energy from fossil fuels to clean electricity by 2040. We are going to find ways to make our forest communities sustainable, probably by watching our forests change. They'll go from being beautiful, thick pine forests to more like barrens and uh, meadows. But something will be there, because that's the important thing to remember. The way of life that we have known is coming to an end. Earth is not going to end. Earth will continue. Earth will abide. The lifestyles we have had are going to be the things that go away, are going to be the things that change. And the question is, is that something that we will embrace with awareness and mindfulness of what's actually happening? Or are we going to stick our head in the sand and pretend it's not happening? It's hard to imagine people giving up consumerism, even as the ability to produce products dwindles. It's hard to imagine the corporations stopping their marketing. Now, look, this is not a black or white thing. Um, right. Change right. is going to happen um, gradually and over time. But... The wonderful thing about this horrible experience that we're all having is that it is forcing all of us 
at the same time to confront the way that we used to live, to hit pause, to hit reset, and then think about what we want to add back in. Do I want to add back in going to work downtown in a big tall building? Do I want to add back in not spending time walking around my neighborhood and knowing my neighbors? What do I want my life to look like? We are building an economy that is predicated on renewable energy, on sustainability, and on inclusion. And the rest of the country can follow our path as they have on so many other things, or they can, you know, cling to the totems that make them feel safe in a time of uncertainty. And look, these, these fires will end, the smoke will clear, and it'll be a blue sunshine day again. But it wasn't a one-off. This isn't the main feature. This is a preview of coming attractions. Well, Tom, we are very grateful for the clarity and force of what you said in your firsthand account. We wish you the best. We give you the best wishes. And thank you so much, Tom Price in California, showing the way. Thank you, Tom. Very good. Pleasure, Bill. Good talking to you. All right. Take care. I was in the car with Savitri. Savitri and Billy driving across South Dakota for days, destinationless. Miles and miles of corporate farming, GMO corn, soybeans. And we kept going, we came out to Sioux country, all of a sudden there weren't any fences anymore. And we gravitated down toward what is known as the Badlands. We paid some money, I think it was 12 bucks or something, to go into the Badlands a 37-mile drive in your car on the edge of white and pink and purple and black striated rock. Very beautiful. We had both been there before, years before, when we were much younger. Something about the whole thing was quite making it for us this time. And we pulled into this scenic, I think they called it a viewing point. I think they were called viewing points. Little parking lots on the edge of the promontory that juts out over the panoramic rock of the Badlands. We never talked about it, but we just sort of stepped over the fence and sort of walking into the scenic view. We just ingested some kind of, inhaled some sort of breath of bravery or something. We had to know that, I mean, there were signs and everything. You can't 
leafy little cul-de-sac. <laughs> we walk down, down, down into the scenic view. We pierced the scenic view. We committed the crime of becoming people inside other people's scenic view. They're not supposed to have any people over there. We kept walking, not talking, walking farther and farther. And then we sort of walked through a, a sort of crease in the beautiful layered rocks. I went up into the sky like a city block up. We walked in this little narrow canyon came out behind the scenic view and there was a beautiful meadow there a kind of uh, would you call it a swale what's a swale have I heard that word somewhere uh, there might have been a little stream there I don't think I saw the stream but it was a little bit like like a, a valley we walked into this meadow of all these native long grasses different. I mean, we held hands now and again. Mostly we just kept walking. All the sounds of the wind in the grass, the wind whistling through the rocks. And then finally we sat down. Lay on our sides and then waited. Waited for a long time. And then the grassland around us began to change. There were heads surfacing is looking at us. Animals of different kinds. Antelope. Deer. Bighorn sheep. looking at the eyes and we were there long enough to feel that this place was alive with eyes, ears, senses. So many beings we were watching each other was being with itself. So many eyes. Our Earth service comes to an end. Time for goodbyes and thank yous. We hope we found a way toward peace today in this Earth service. With all this conflict and with the Earth's crisis in full force, we want to thank the interview guest, Tom Price. We want to thank the Stop Shopping Choir. 
and the fiery eagles of justice. And let's thank the honeybees also for their music. Now, when I say we, I mean Savitri D. Our news anchor, once again, for the natural world. And our producer-editor, Jason Candler. This work was developed over a two-year period with Neil Young and his community at the Times Contrarian web newspaper. Thank you, Neil. Much thanks to WABC, Pantheon Podcasts, and the growing community of FM stations that carry our show. We personally reply to any letters you may send us at our website, revbilly.com, R-E-V. B-I-L-L-Y, RevBilly.com. I'm Reverend Billy. For the Stop Shopping Choir, Eartha Louie.